A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to Your Questions Answered. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to answer your burning wrestling questions. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AEW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions like this one, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Hamblin to take on the Q&A community. Uh, if you've sent us those questions at what culture WWE, I'm at Adam Wilborn. He's at Michael Hamblin. if you want to continue the conversation after this. And let's dive straight into it, Hamblin. Let's start with this question, which I'll be honest, we're going to be struggling with for the next few months, if not year or so, that comes from Vic Zulistim. Apologies. Oh, no, sorry. I've re- read his Twitter handle. I've realised what I've done there. Tim Vixulis. There we go. Comes from Tim uh, and says, who do you truly believe will dethrone Roman and when? Tim, thank you, Vic. I feel like a Beth Phoenix on the NXT commentary desk, just <laughs> covering everybody, just in case. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I feel like... Almost as if I've done this literally a lot lately. You could scroll through the WWE personnel page on Wikipedia and not find a single name worthy of it. Um, it's a nice problem to have in a way because you've got a super dominant champion and your job is to build somebody up to at least make people believe that they can beat him in the first attempt. You know, So you have, for so many guys, you've got one feud to try and build them up as a potential winner over Roman Reigns. And that might make stars in the wake of that feud, even if Roman wins in the end. I'll try and be positive and not just say, well, The Rock, because yeah. he'll come, they'll not be able to resist the urge not to put the belt on him. Or Brock, because, you know, Vince going to Vince. And I, you know, I'm just going to sort of exhibit a bit of bias here because he was so lovely to us and it was nice to be lovely back to him. Like, i got to want Big E to do it. Mm. i got to want it to be Big E. Um, the New Day split last year seemed designed to uh, give Big E that, singles push on SmackDown. It hasn't really happened yet, but the teasers were awesome. The teasers were so good, in fact, that by about October, November, the perfect time to be doing this, we were fantasy booking Big E to win the Rumble. And then by the time it actually came around, it just didn't feel there. The more Big E is distanced from the belt, the more it feels like he could be a WrestleMania challenger. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a WrestleMania challenger is where Roman should lose the belt. So I, like, possibly at the risk of sounding too much like a mark, I'll go Big E because I just... I would rather you have that optimistic feel-good conclusion to such an incredible reign than just a kind of panicked hotshot of putting it onto another already established major star. 
yeah, we've got to caveat this by the fact of you and I will inevitably book this reign to end at a big four pay-per-view with a major opponent he hasn't faced before, but WWE's going to WWE. It could end at bloody the re- revamped vengeance or whatever yeah. it is against mm-hmm. someone he's faced three times, and if they lose this time, they have to cut a leg off or something. <laughs> Big E is, 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 is a go-to answer, absolutely. I've been, I've been going to that answer for a while. But I'm going to stick with my booking and change the name just to just to change it up a little bit. I think he should drop the title at SummerSlam 2022. Two years after his return, his dominant re-arrival back in WWE, saving that pay-per-view and breaking mine and Nicholas's streak of god-awful WWE pay-per-view. <laughs> and if it's not Big E... I've plotted it out. I'll do it again for people who haven't heard me. I seem to mention it on every podcast or new video that I do for uh, What Culture. It is so simple, this. Don't screw it up, WWE, okay? John Cena at SummerSlam this year. Oh, bollocks. He can't stop him. At Survivor Series, let's have Brand versus Brand and let's have Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, okay? No title on the line there. Probably wouldn't have him lose anyway, but regardless. Royal Rumble. Let's have Edge versus Roman Reigns. He beats him and they think, oh no, (laughs) we can't stop him. (laughs) So we better bring in The Rock. And even he can't beat him. One, two, three. The show goes off the air with them basically saying, what do we do now? And in the four months between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, if it's not Big E, WWE fans love a bit of LTST, okay? We love a bit of history. Why not? It's not going to happen. But if it's me in charge and you can actually book it well, have it be Keith Lee who made his name on the main roster fighting Roman Reigns all those years ago at Survivor Series. And it might be Keith Lee because they haven't got the chance to ruin him in the interim because unfortunately (laughs) not in WWE at the moment. It has to be someone who isn't already a star, isn't already a legend and can stick around and do some other stuff for them. Love it. Um, And if we are allowing ourselves to dream beyond the obvious, all the headliners, the megastars that you've listed... Slapjack. <laughs> well, let us know your thoughts on Twitter at what culture do we Because I mean, who bloody knows? It's it's a very, very exciting time to be a WWE fan because it seems like finally, maybe just I'm getting giddy off the back of Raw. They might actually be trying now, Michael. <laughs> um, not to ruin the mood here, Hamlet, but the second question today comes from one Matt Reigns, who says Jesus Christ. Hi, yes, Matt Reigns again, Sidrick mega fan. Now that we're just about to the midway point of 2021, what has been your favourite match of the first six months in any promotion? Cheers, Wilborn. He knew you were on this podcast. He's only directed that cheers at me. I sense it's a bit more of a neg than usual. But yeah, favourite match of this year, Hamlet. Favourite match of this year? Well, we've talked about how you can do squashes really well. So I'd probably say me versus Matt Reigns on the WrestleMania stream. Um, <laughs> they can sometimes be the most entertaining ones. No, thank you, Matt, for your question. Um, well done for getting your wife up probably quite early to type the tweet out for you because we know you can't do it yourself. Much appreciated. Um, I, 
I would say for me, um, because I was completely wrapped up in the emotion of it, um, of the spectacle, which we'd all missed, and them being able to wrestle themselves away from a wretched storyline, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, main event of WrestleMania, ticks all the boxes for me. Just a special, like, a special moment and then a match that delivered upon how special that moment felt. That um, stare down where Bianca can't fight back the tears and Sasha is desperately trying is the sort of incredible WrestleMania moment that WWE could never put a TM on, no matter how hard they tried. And it could have overwhelmed the wrestlers and then the match could have under-delivered on those expectations. They're like the massive expectations set by how big and history-making the whole thing felt. And it was even better than those expectations. The storyline was minging and they were given, which, you know, disadvantages wrestlers going in because the angle was nowhere near as hot as it needed to be. And they worked up from that. And I just have so much love for their talents and their abilities that you just got to see them in their purest distilled form rather than also off the back of a great story. They should have been given that advantage. They weren't and they still over-delivered in the spot. I loved, um, I loved Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix oh. because... Like, there are very few times, I know this feels like a dated and slightly cliched criticism, but there are still, for me, very few times where I've felt the New Japan pangs of a Kenny Omega match in AEW. Not always as a particular slight on Omega. Some, like, he's he's weekly TV wrestler almost now. He's banged up. But there was some, there was some magic in the air in that Omega Phoenix match that night. And similarly, magic in the air, because Daly's Place has often been a place of magic air. Jungle Boy and Dax Harwood, Oh. Just a glorious throwback, proper babyface, proper heel, straight singles match. Loved that little period where, I mean, Christ, by the way, it's a crime how little FTR have wrestled on TV this year. But love that period where it felt like Dax and Cash were trying to outwork each other when given the opportunity. Uh, and every time Jungle Boy works, and we're recording this just before Jungle Boy and Kenny Omega at the weekend, every time Jungle Boy works, it feels like feels like you can see like a video game ladder of him working his way up all the people en route to one day becoming AEW's top babyface star. And it's just lovely to see that progression too. Uh, like you, I am a fan of, uh, of spectacle, of uh, once-in-a-lifetime moments, first evers. So I'm going to have to go with the zombie lumberjack match because, I mean, hello, <laughs> how many other matches have we have? Like, no, I'm referring in that build-up to Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa, the lights out unsanctioned match from Dynamite. It, it blew me away. I really, really enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, I feel it, it absolutely merits a mention. And it's something I will go back and watch uh, when we look back on this year and look back on some of our favorite matches. And sticking with the WrestleMania theme, um, I really enjoyed, absolutely. My brain automatically, I have to say, when we got asked this question, automatically went to Sasha and Bianca because it just felt like such a, a real moment in time, that match. Mm. I also really enjoyed, and I will go back and watch it in a few months' time, Seth Rollins and Cesaro, even though it was just so bloody simple. Mm. It was just bad guy, good guy, good guy spins bad guy round. Can't quite do it initially because bad guy's <laughs> targeted his arm, eventually can, and then he and UFOs him and everyone goes home happy and then they decide to bloody 50-50 it because of course they sodding do uh, and also yeah the triple threat Roman Reigns, Edge, Daniel Bryan it was a surreal experience like you said uh, didn't expect Edge to get that reception and mm. uh, we were sat there going oh well you know the champ doesn't need to be pinned I'm not sure if they've mentioned this before champ doesn't need to be pinned <laughs> in a triple threat match so maybe just maybe they crowned Daniel nope no Roman Reigns attacks <laughs> both of them and it just is a real sign of intent by WWE. Um, but yeah, 
it, time has no meaning. Apologies if I've missed out your favourite match because, uh, well, I just, uh, I just can't remember all the stuff that's happened this year already. It sort of feels like I think the thing with WrestleMania, and I guess for Double or Nothing, if there'd have been that one match that anybody listened because we haven't mentioned it particularly loved at Double or Nothing, certainly crowds at WrestleMania like were elevating things, weren't they? I think especially when you mentioned Seth Rollins and Cesaro, how made Cesaro briefly felt because he was doing all that cool stuff in front of a noisy audience again. Um, it always feels like cheating to say a rumble, but not all rumbles are awesome. And the women's rumble this year was awesome. Like it's not a guarantee that a Royal Rumble is going to be like this fantastic spectacle and the women's rumble this year nailed it. Mm, absolutely. Uh, next question today comes from regular contributor and huge fan. Thank you for this. Hugo, who says, love you both to death. Love you too, Hugo. Thank you so much as always for, for being in contact. Uh, would you honestly bring Shayna back to NXT or is she forever doomed as long as her contract reads WWE? Love you, Hugo. Thank you for that. Um, Ah, I don't know. I try and take a pragmatic approach on the old doomed stuff these days. I watch Raw every week and Alexa Bliss feels doomed. And then she tweets that she's quite enjoying playing the character at the moment. And we know based on them goddamn fiend belts that she's probably coining it in on the merch as well. Jesus Christ, can you imagine the money she's going to make when they start flogging Lily dolls at those arenas when people are back in seats, right? Like, so doomed is something of a relative term i feel creatively shana baser is absolutely doomed however i think she is doing what vince mcmahon would rather see her do and everybody has a boss and as much as we would all love to do everything we would just want to do in our jobs everybody has a boss including shana baser and shana baser came up to the main roster being the closest approximation of nxt shana baser ignore that vampire night on raw but other than that was the closest approximation to NXT Shayna Baszler, and we were told that Vince McMahon didn't get it. Remember that story breaking? Doesn't get it. Doesn't get the appeal. Start it again. Make her the designated jobber in a team with Nia Jax. Have her be somebody that is taught to sports entertain with wobbly legs and running from a doll and all that. And her boss is satisfied and it might lead to a pay rise and it might lead to the health, wealth, happiness of Shayna Baszler, the person. I appreciate what Hugo's saying because I agree. As a wrestling fan, I get no joy out of this. But the longer Shayna sticks around and gets through it's a bit like, I don't know if I'm dating myself here, but um, the Krypton Factor Assault course was a particularly tough one when it was aired on television here in the UK. And some of my favourite wrestlers feel like they're often doing the hardest parts of the Krypton Factor Assault course just to get to the zip line at the end where things are actually nice and things are actually good. If Shayna Baszler can get through the mud and the airframe and the cargo net and all the things that really, really punish you, maybe in five years' time, she'll get to be the Shayna Baszler that you want to dread and run from. Yeah. Maybe these are the hard, maybe these are the hard yards. You've got to win Vince's trust and win his respect and all that nonsense. It's total nonsense, by the way. But maybe that's just how the wheels turn. And if we all ride this out together, once she's got that trust, we all might get a little bit of what we want. NXT at this point feels like a waste of time because the damage that's been done to her aura on the main roster, I don't think can be repaired. Mm. Love Finn Balor, but was did he ever properly shake that off in NXT? I'm not so sure he did. I'm not sure. I think he's proven that it's maybe not quite a quick fix that we all believed it might once be. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, I don't have that much optimism. I think you've got more chance of winning Takeshi's Castle than uh, Shayna Baszler <laughs> really re-establishing herself. I, I, it just, what happened between February, well, <laughs> in wrestling, I mean, I know what happened in the world. What happened in between February of 2020 and April of 2020? Because... That elimination chamber, I know people aren't happy with it. And people say, oh, 
you're all so negative about her. You and Phil Chambers weren't on that night. I thought it was one of the most perfect displays I've ever seen inside the Elimination Chamber. Immediately forgot about her not winning the Rumble or her biting bloody Becky Lynch's neck. She was inevitable. Mm. And Becky Lynch was Rocky at the start of Rocky 3. Buying stupid bloody trucks with her face on, wearing crowns and meme sunglasses. She was ripe for murder, effectively, in the ring by Shayna Baszler. And then she rolled Shayna up and it's been downhill since then. I just want to let the listeners to this podcast know, because I know they've heard that impassioned, heartbroken rant before. But don't think, everybody, that this is just on-the-clock stuff. At some point in the very near future, myself and Adam Wilborn are going to be a few points deep. And as he gets to number three or number four, it's coming out again. There's going to be some tables punched. There's going to be some sort of hands gesticulating in the air. At least one beer is going to go flying. This is for real. I can see it in your eyes every time you speak on this subject, how broken you were by it. It's because I was like late to the Shayna party. I was late to the NXT party. And I came in and went, well, this is great. I seem to like, <laughs> They were like, oh, brilliant. Look, Kyrie Sane's beating her. And then the next time, nah, nah, see you later. Mm-hmm. Out you go. And yes, you had, you know, the the, the four horsewomen or three of the t- two of the four horsewomen uh, helping her out. But that just added to the beauty of it all. Oh, what could have been? Um, speaking of uh, Keith Lee, I mentioned him earlier on. Great question here from Jason DeCastro, who says, what do you think about Keith Lee going back to NXT rather than on Raw and have a match against Karrion Cross, the NXT Championship? Thank you, Jason. Um, mm, I'm not mad keen on the match, if I'm honest, because I don't think the first one was particularly great. Keith Lee, uh, it almost feels like now that main roster run was a false start, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, if anything, this break that he's on, this kind of like mysterious disappearance of Keith Lee for the time being, might allow for a hard reset when he comes back, wherever he comes back, main roster or NXT. Unlike Shayna Baszler and unlike Finn Balor, of people that come back to NXT and probably too much damage has been done, I don't hate that quite as much because mm. it doesn't feel like Keith Lee has sustained half as much damage as, as those aforementioned names and maybe others that could come back to NXT. Um, so I wouldn't be totally against it. I would, however, question, and we bring this up quite a lot, I don't know what kind of shelf life that character would have on NXT, as much as I completely understand why people are thirsty for this, because NXT is a, a safer haven. Uh, we, we quibble the booking sometimes on NXT, but it's a, you know, come on, it's a way better show than Raw, and often it's a better show than the majority of SmackDown, Roman Reigns notwithstanding. Um, it, it's just a tighter show. So theoretically, characters will do better on the, on the tighter show. I don't know about Keith Lee because I am a little bit sick of a lot of NXT long-standing people that are still on NXT. I'm ready for several people to just like for WWE to take the gamble and lift several of these people that we really like on NXT and just see how they fare on Raw or SmackDown. And I worry that Keith Lee would feel ancient if he went back. I know he's, in, I know he's only been away six months, but like timing and wrestling is cruel. And I think that window's kind of slammed shut on him. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, let's continue with some more of your wrestling questions from Twitter. As I always say, at WhatCultureWWE, at Michael Hanfler, at Adam Wilborn. If you want to send us more or continue the conversation, we also answer them every single morning on the news as well. Uh, Hanfler, I can warn you, or any adverts that have played out in this podcast have already happened. So mm-hmm. feel free to answer this and annoy as many people as you want. I know my answer is probably going to boil your piss. Uh, this question comes <laughs> from Mark Lee Willis, who says, what misconception about wrestling did you once have that you no longer hold, possibly because of how companies, <coughs> WWE, have led you to believe otherwise? Hope you're well, dudes. Thank you, Mark. Hope you're well too, mate. Thank you, Mark. Um, am I going first here because you worry that I'm going to like switch the podcast off once you tell me whatever yours is? Is that Okay. I mine is a broader one that I think does relate to WWE being bad, um, but it's it's a wrestling thing. It is, and it it kind of dawned on me uh, over the last few years. In truth, uh, my misconception is that a particular match or a particular wrestler or a particular promo, something something really specific, can magically get somebody who's not into wrestling into wrestling. I think for a lot of years because I love this art form so much and because I cannot for the life of me, and I'm glad I'm speaking to friends that are listening to this podcast and speaking to you right now, everyone outside of this bubble that we're in, I can't understand why they're not into wrestling. Yeah, It's, it's the best thing. It's the best thing, right? When it's good. Uh, and even sometimes when it's awful, it's, it's the best thing. And I, I can't understand why everybody doesn't get it. However, there was a key turning point in my life And it wasn't over one match or one wrestler in particular where it just clicked that. And people ask this question sometimes. I'm sure you get it on news and we sometimes get it on this podcast. What one match would you show somebody that's not into it to explain to them why you like wrestling? What one match would you show a partner who doesn't understand why you like it? Those sort of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, You just get it or you don't. It will hook you or it won't. 
it's not like much else, you know. It's not a sport, but we know how much of a sport it really is. It's not athletics, but we know how athletic they are. It's not acting, but we know how hard they have to work. Every time they show up at Raw and they've got 15 minutes to learn material because their boss just tore up what they've been learning all day. Like, every aspect of it. It's the hardest frigging job in the world because, look, wherever you're listening to this, Wilborn, you right now, we're sat down at a desk. Look at the floor next to your feet and ask yourself if you would throw yourself to the floor from the height you're at. You wouldn't. Mm. And yet they do that as the first... It's like us clocking in on the morning. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. us logging in. Logging into Slack for us is them throwing themselves onto the ground from whatever height they happen to be at. It's insane. It's amazing. Superhuman. It's the best. It's the best thing. And when it's good dramatically, it's like nothing. It's like I feel things for wrestling that I cannot feel, even for my favourite television shows, as good as it gets. Sopranos, Wire, Bojack Horseman. Great podcast out there. Go Podcast Horseman. Check it out. Like, I love those shows more than most things. And yet wrestling, when it gets me, gets me more than all of those. Football, the same. It's a sport. But how often does that sport fail me and let me down because my team are terrible? Wrestling doesn't if it tells the story effectively. But you can't say that to anybody that just doesn't get it. You can't. And I'll include certain family members I've got, certain friends that have known me as their wrestling friend all of my stupid life. Like, they'll always ask the same questions. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 it's fake. And that conversation is boring, isn't it? You know, that... I can tell. I can say to them, I was probably six years old when I worked out that it was fake. And what you have to understand is that that's never bothered me. That I, you know, that I've known it not to be real. Yeah, it's you've just, fantasy got Game of Thrones or whatever it may be. That's yeah, just- yeah, exactly. It's it's a pointless pursuit to try and sell wrestling on somebody that just doesn't get it. And I say that as like a kind of as a call to arms for those people that are maybe still trying or those people that still believe it can be done, because just accept that it's their loss. Mm. it's a really like it's it's really interesting and, and and so spot on in terms of like it's the same as anything else you could turn around to someone who loves wrestling but doesn't like football and go sorry how do you not like football have you not seen like the the incredible comeback from liverpool in istanbul and the, the story that, with, that comes with that or Aguero, last minute in manchester yeah. City in the premier league for the first ever time just bonkers stuff don't don't like it the only thing i can compare it to because i like most things I like wrestling, but I also like UFC. And I'm astonished sometimes mm. that wrestling can't have the storylines that UFC has when they can't <laughs> control the results. Yeah. But the only thing I can compare it to uh, in terms of just not getting it at all is a little bit like my relationship with one Josh Brown. Lovely man, handsome man, gorgeous man. Uh, mm. Got a lot of similar tastes, a lot of similar views, whether it be politics or music or whatever it may be. And yeah, he likes Gilmore Girls. And I honestly, I think genuinely it's the worst TV show I've ever seen. It's, I genuinely cannot get my head around how anyone can actually sit down and go, no, I'm going to dedicate my time to this. And that's the only thing I can compare people watching Monday Night Raw to. He remains a man of refined taste because the Gilmore Girls is class. You have one of these for me. I know to you to be a man that if time were no object and you didn't need to work, you would happily sit and watch every single Olympic sport, one after another, after another, after another, just for the sheer competitive thrill of it. And yet it boils my piss no end that I can't get to talk to you about snooker. This is your one like sport in black spot. When I look at it as like the, the sport of kings. And you're just like, I remember just like coming in one morning after like Ronnie had done something awesome. I think you've won the world title last year. I remember the year, but like something brilliant. And I was like, oh my God, shaking. I was at one in the morning watching this after the kids had gone to bed. And he was like, I don't get it. I was like, 
Adam Wilborn, you're enthusiastic about everything. Like you see an insect on your window and that takes up the first 10 minutes of our podcast and I can't sit you in front of this like sporting art on the telly. It's a, <laughs> it's a, we've all got our black spots, haven't we? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I distinctly remember coming in after uh, England won the Cricket World Cup for a live stream, I think. And Andy Murray could not have been less interested in me, <laughs> one of the giddiest men in all of what culture. Um, but but I, we've been friends for a long time now, Michael Hamlet, so I do mm. hope you'll take this in, in, in the right way. But I read this and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to reveal that, aren't I now? I'm really nervous about this. This was coming from a place of ignorance, not knowledge. He's talking about, you know, just misconceptions. Considering how old I am, considering the era that I grew up in, I kind of thought, kind of thought Bret Hart was really overrated. I know you did, mate, because loads of people did. Because for years, that discourse needed turning around. That narrative needed flipping. I never, when I was just a casual fan of wrestling, why would I need to go back and watch these matches? And no one's singing their praise about him. And obviously, terrible, terrible story behind it. But he's not wrestling anymore, so don't need to, don't need to pay any attention to him. And uh, obviously starting working at What Culture and, and just getting, you know, getting more and more interesting prior to that really opened my eyes. And then I just remember that uh, Tom McGee, the documentary. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I just that was the the real moment where, oh, yeah, now it all. <laughs> like I'd, I'd appreciated his work and gone, oh, yeah, he's a sensational wrestler. And I've got I'm completely wrong. But that was like the final nail in that the coffin for that viewpoint. Good. Like. Jesus, look how good he can make this lad look. And then you see him with anyone else and he's just atrocious. He's um, an artist and that canvas was his canvas, wasn't it? Mm. uh, It's fine, you know, it's fine. I uh, was uh, was in the Bret Hart community and you notice I didn't put the AJ Styles inflection on it because I got too much goddamn respect for it. It's a real community. We came up against that opposition for a lot of years for a lot of the same reasons. Um, and it's just lovely. Have you noticed in the last few years? I think two things have happened. Number one, um, people in the 30s have got a little bit louder on Twitter. <laughs> and number two, Shawn Michaels has kind of ruined NXT. So people <laughs> putting those two opposing forces constantly against one each other. A lot of people have started being like, Oh, yeah, I should have been a Bret Hart guy all along. Now, me, love Bret Hart, but like Shawn Michaels. I think it's absolutely fine to go back and enjoy Shawn Michaels. But when the people make that decision over the divide, I'm like, yeah, get him, get him. Like that. Uh, it's, it's, it was a revelation akin to Paul Bearer. Wait, Paul Bearer? Like, because he's with the other... <laughs> Honestly, I do not want to admit when that, that eureka moment came to me because it was years too late. <laughs> I had one of these. We were just, I talked about this with my wife yesterday. A bit embarrassed. Um, my wife was telling one of our sons about very, very tall buildings having lights on top so that planes can see them. Mm. And she used, the kids love seeing like images of New York and things like that. And she said, you see they're on the towers in New York. And I later admitted to her when we'd had this conversation with the kids that I discovered that much to my absolute horror and shame. I used to work in an old job that um, I was very fortunate once to fly to Kuala Lumpur for work purposes in Malaysia. And I had, I'm not the most well-traveled of people and I'd never seen these lights on top of these buildings. And I was with some, I worked at a university and I was with some academics and I asked one of the academics, I said, ah, oh, a lot of the buildings here have like lights on the, on the top of the building. Is that like a, a local architectural thing, is it? And he just turned to me and said, no, they're really tall and it's so planes don't crash into them. I was like 25. <laughs> I, I was like, 
well too old. And it's not one of the things you can just quietly Google once it's out there, once mm-hmm. it's been said. It's like, no, you know, you know, like I felt like he wanted to go, do you know aeroplanes? <laughs> They're really high in the sky. I'm not going to name names here, but I will say it's not a member of the What Culture Wrestling team. Do you remember that moment in the office once where it was, a, it was around this time of year, hot, hot in the What Culture office, and the bosses are talking about either, you know, buying or bringing in or setting up whatever it was, fans in the office and someone who will not be named went what's the point in that it'll just move the hot air around and yes i get after <laughs> that's what fans do that's why they don't use fans in certain things and i was watching a john oliver thing randomly about uh heat in prison saying that that is the case but not in an office in newcastle i remember that message coming around and i seem to remember replying yeah actually i'm absolutely fine with that bring in anybody but matt reigns and i realized <laughs> what they were actually talking about that yeah Right, uh, back to some more of your Twitter questions. Uh, and not for the first time, I'm going to have to disappoint a doctor here. Dr. Scott Kelly uh, <laughs> says, uh, I don't think a- any of my AEW fan friends actually think Vicky Guerrero is wrestling with Nyla and Britt and Rebel this Saturday. If that's the case, who will be her replacement? Well, unfortunately, Dr. Scott, we're not going to answer your question now. We are, though, on the AEW Dynamite preview that is coming out on Saturday. Mark it in your diaries. We're going to be recording it tomorrow. And then it's Friday night. They're inevitably going to announce, I don't know, Daniel Bryan's coming to AEW or something. <laughs> because that's generally what happens once we record these podcasts in advance. A question you will like here, though, comes from Jacob Mendros, who says, Good morning, my friends. I know Hamlet and I are the world's biggest supporters of Trunks Moxley and that entire run. Question is, do you think that now in Ash- uh, international travel is returning to normal we will finally see Renee and Mox adopt Shooter legally and bring him to the US you asked that question sorry? Uh, Jacob Mendros thank you Jacob a man of immense taste indeed Trunks Mox um, yeah short answer yeah uh, the prospect of like the two of them reuniting dare I say this in AEW is as captivating as the prospect of John Moxley putting on the trunks and meeting up with him in New Japan. Um, I say that because in New Japan, obviously, we would Moxley would wear the trunks again. They'd do an awesome press conference where it'd be father and son reunited and all that. But I love the idea, and I've thought this for a while, I think I might have mentioned it on the podcast when the Forbidden Door first opened, of Shooter encountering some problems on the AEW roster. Like, imagine, like, the like Kenny and the boys getting to shoot before Moxley does like a vignette where they're picking him up from the airport and he's waiting for, he's waiting for dad. And instead they turn up and they just leave him a bloody mess. And John Moxley is out for revenge on behalf of shooter. And the two of them come out together and he's banged up and he's got his leather jacket and all that sort of stuff. Like, like John Moxley cuts his pro is like, I invite a man to my home and this is what you do to him. <laughs> right there. I, like, I love the idea of all of this taking place in within like the AW universe as much as back in New Japan. Yes, my word, the second restrictions lift, put them two back together. We all miss it. Everybody misses it. Absolutely. Uh, right, let's lightning round a few questions here. Uh, the H stands for, writes, as a founding member of the Dadly Boys, A, will there ever be merch? And B, what's your advice for getting children into wrestling? And is this advisable? Um, merch, hound, uh, editor at whatculture.com for that one, I think. <laughs> News.whatculture.com, I don't know, whatever our main address is from the website. Bombard them, let them know. Um, the kids and wrestling, I don't know, I got an eight and a five year old and they're just not feeling it. Um, I'm not so sure 
and I don't think all AEW fans are like me saying this. I'm not so sure there's a product that's perfect for kids at the moment. I say that because WWE is sub-children in terms of its uh, presentation. Uh, babies might like the colours, but there is absolutely nothing a five-year-old will get from WWE that he's not getting from CBeebies. 100%. Like, it's far... I watch, like, children's programming. It's 10 times more logical than an episode of Raw. So it's just... It's too hard to explain. I, I use the example of The Fiend. Like, my son... My youngest son was really captivated by the look of The Fiend. He asked a few questions. I could answer about two of them because there's absolutely... That character makes no goddamn sense. And I needed to put it in a way that a five-year-old would understand. Me as a five-year-old... There's a giant man in neon paint and he's an ultimate warrior and he's squashing fellas. Got it. Brilliant. More, please. It's a sugar rush. Can't give that to my kids presently. AEW, way more logical. Makes loads more sense. Again, it's the same as the answer to before. Can't force it on them. They've just got to get it. Some of it, I don't mean to sound like a prude, isn't massively child-friendly. There's a lot of swearing. Mm. There's like maybe more blood than you want your kids to see. That's at your discretion. All that sort of stuff. Definitely, I will, as long as AEW remains roughly a version of itself, get them to nine, get them to ten, and then I will just sit them in front of it and see if they stay sitting down. That's that's all that you can do. Like, or put it on at nine o'clock at night when they know that they're being allowed to stay up late and they'll stay up <laughs> for anything. They'll stay up for out if they think they're getting away with one. They'll sit there quiet on the sofa thinking you forget that they're there. So that might be another way in as well. Quick, quick, quick on this, and then sorry, I know this is supposed to be a lightning round. My kid wants... Um, my eldest, when he was about six, back, maybe a bit older, he woke up in the middle of the night and he was a bit tired. It was only about 10 p.m. And my wife was out, so I happened to be watching. I was re-watching Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. And it only just started, and he asked me, who's the goodie, who's the baddie? I told him, sure enough, the match played out exactly as I needed it to. And he got it, and he loved it, and he was really pleased to see the good guy win. So if you're absolutely going to try, just rattle your brain for something that you absolutely know the lines aren't remotely blurred. Like... Keep it not patronizingly simple, but keep it nice and simple, and at least give the, give them a chance. Mm. Don't like go for some sort of 50 50 things like, yeah, but you've got to appreciate how well he's selling the arm because that's <laughs> the stuff they've got to see rather than be told. Elle says, uh, Do you think when live crowds come back, so will jobbers and put an end to the constant rematches? Thank you, Elle. Um, I'd like it. I think we've long called for jobber matches, we get a bit of it. We get a little bit of it here and there on AEW and WWE, and it's never not effective. So, yes, I would absolutely... I, th I think it benefits a TV show. I think, as well, we've talked about how problematic it is trying to book monsters as weekly episodic characters for longer than, say, six months at a time. You could stretch that out. Ryback got WWE one of the best B-show pay-per-view buy rates ever, and most of that was done off the back of squashing jobbers six months mm -hmm. before he faced CM Punk. So, yeah, it can be done. Uh, Joshua Mitchison says, if you could see one person pushed and booked by fans, who would it be? I'd say Liv Morgan is the fan support she has and the amount of talent she has in uh, go to, uh, in too, too good to be in the mid card she is. Yeah. Um, thank you, Joshua, for that question. It's a great shout. Joshua knows the medium he's talking about there because a lot of people do seem to have a lot of love for Liv Morgan. Um, I guess you're trying to think of those other fan favourite ones. There is never bad fantasy booking out there about Hangman Page. It just differs from one fan to the next. So I've never seen a Hangman Page scenario I haven't liked, but just everybody's got a different opinion on it because that character's so well drawn. So Hangman Page as well, I would genuinely, they've done such an amazing job of putting him where he is that I would entrust almost every scenario I've read about Hangman Page. I'll say The Fiend just to stir the pot a little bit. <laughs> you'll never... I've had, enough, I've had enough lore this year. I don't need any more till 2022. I just love the idea of going, okay, uh, we'll do a, a fan thing 
just submit your ideas on a tweet. <laughs> the amount of different ideas. Oh. No one's going to say, like, we can book Big E winning the world title easily. The Fiend and his next six months. Good luck, everyone. Final question today comes from James. Uh, James says he's asked questions about 10 times and we never got around to him, so I'll finally get around to it. It's a great question, to be fair. With the hashtag, he writes, biggest pop of your life watching wrestling. Oh, God. Thank you, James. Um, can I have in person and on television? Yes. Is that all right? They're different pops, aren't they? It's really got to get you out of your seat when you're watching at home on television. Mm. So one would be uh, Steve Austin every single week in 1998. The product was that good. <laughs> I was 13. Like, unbelievable weekly. How we would get the better of Vincent Mann at least once during those brawls was electrifying. As a grown-up, because I often think it saved my wrestling soul when I felt myself pulling away from it, Bailey beating Sasha in Brooklyn was um, really emotional, really evocative. NXT was the biggest thing in the world to me. That storyline was the biggest thing in the match. It just delivered the best thing I've seen since Brett and Steve Austin. So I loved it. In person, um, we, yeah, we talked about this a lot recently on NXT reviews. I'm all about getting gabbled, man. Just tell me, just sell me an empty mystery and I'll buy a ticket. And the two times I was given just the greatest payoffs to empty mysteries was uh, Kevin Owens War Games in 2019. Like, Blowing the goddamn roof off the Allstate in Chicago. Two days ago, yeah. Privileged to be a part of that ovation, and I was there contributing to it. And and I know I've mentioned this on another podcast. Working one house show on a random UK tour in 2011, The Miz and Our Truth, preparing to take on John Cena, Zack Ryder, and Kofi Kingston in, you're right to think this, a pretty boring sounding house show six man tag. When The Miz said the words over the house microphone, Newcastle, England. I think we need seven foot of backup. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. And there he was, the big man, working one, one warm up match for his uh, sledgehammer ladder match to pay off the summer of punk. Uh, the following <laughs> one warm up match, and he comes to Newcastle and he works in the sixth man. Took one bump, one bump for a I think it was a John Cena punch because he's the best at this. Yeah, I absolutely lost my fucking mind. Uh, I'll remember the anti-pop that I got at the WWE live show that you and I went to with Adam Nick. <laughs> where we'd read online that I can't remember who he was facing, but it was, you know, some generic mid-carder versus Titus O'Neil. And we're all <laughs> sat there. My, my wife is there with us. She knows how giddy I am to see Titus live and in person. And I can't remember, it must have been like, was it Apollo's music? Someone else's music. Like, I'm doing the Hogan cup to the ear, like, here it comes. You know, it the was music. Like, it, it, it was fighting like Curtis Axel or somebody, wasn't it? That's and there's it. Curtis Axel, and we're like, everybody's bored, nobody cares, but we know who's coming. And we're excited. Like, the building couldn't give a toss. It was the popcorn match, but like, we were excited for you. Here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And then Apollo Cruz's music. He did wrestle. <laughs> <like> <laughs> We did wrestle later on, and I did have a huge, huge bad at that point. But it was just hilarious. I just, you know, when you just everyone's laughing, you know, your friends are all laughing at you, and you just have to take it. You can't like excuse. Yeah. You just have to just let it rain down upon you. And then later on, we were all together when when Titus did actually come out, and I was screaming how much I loved him because I, I'd had a few more pounds pints to dry my sorrows at this time. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, TV reactions. 
uh, it's, it's all mainly, I'm not thinking automatically of surprise, I'm thinking of match conclusions. It's very, very clueless when it comes to Survivor Series 2001 and genuinely thought, well, if they lose this, the company's finished. So the Rock <laughs> winning Survivor Series, it's The Rock, it's my favourite wrestler of all time. That's one of them. And also randomly, mainly this was sort of the stars uh, combining or you know coming together or whatever. Aligning, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura winning the Royal Rumble, which won me the What Culture Wrestling mm. Championship. And it, like he beat Roman, and that was the midst of everyone. Mm. Roman's winning this then. Beats Roman. He wins that. It's our first live stream together. Like me, Cleary, Nicholas, all the, you know, all the usual lot, right? And I remember I got so giddy, and we'd had a few pints at this point, but still not, not too much bosses. We were, you know, professionally working. Um, I, and I had to have a sit down afterwards. I like, I had like an adrenaline dump and there was a bit where I was like, oh, I need like a cup of tea or something to calm myself down after all this. So there's that, but the in-person ones are the ones that I immediately look to. Uh, Johnny Gargano doing the impossible at takeover, still mm. my favorite wrestling match ever. Uh, and especially informed by the fact of like the Undisputed Era get involved and you go, well, I know how this ends. He's dealt with all of them. He's going to turn around straight into a last shot, job done sort of thing. And it didn't happen, obviously. Uh, and I just, I've changed my mind on who I supported and blah, blah, blah. And I have to say, <laughs> the Iconics winning the tag titles. I lost my voice oh. at WrestleMania. You know, I was emotional when Kofi Kingston won. I was ecstatic when Becky Lynch won, mainly because that meant we ought to also got to go home at that point. <laughs> but the Iconics was such a hilarious combination of like, oh, that's your thing. That What's your thing? Oh, I do the Australian accent. I like the Iconics. And they're the, they're the fourth team making up the numbers in this tag match. And the fact that we were up in the gods in MetLife and I still saw the Iconics illegal, the tag. The blind tag to, I think, Beth Phoenix because she hit the she hit the top rope glam slam and then got yeah, shot on Bailey. And I saw it. And I grabbed Adam Cleary's leg, said the line, say the line, Bart. The iconics are legal, and uh, yeah, I just I remember Chris Thompson was recording bits and bobs for our like documentary and stuff, and I must have been yelling. Add down the camera in an Australian accent for five minutes, and then by the time whatever the next match started, I suddenly went, "Oh no, I've got work to do later, and I've got no voice." Hence, why <laughs> one of our most listened to podcasts, the post WrestleMania 35 review podcast, a took place at like six a.m. in uh, the room that me and Nicholas were staying in, with Nicholas and Cleary shifting their weight every five minutes or every five seconds, so they didn't fall asleep, and B. <laughs> It's me going, welcome to the because I because I've got no voice left. I've used it all up, maybe doing what went down if we're lucky. And uh yeah, it will be a memory that will stay with me forever. That find that podcast in the archives if you can, because it's a great listen by great men doing great work. And while you're digging around the What Culture Archives, look for one of my favorite Adam Wilborn pops, which is I believe the Elimination Chamber 2018, could be 2019. Yeah, maybe 2019 which is Nia Jax going through the glass pod. Have a look at that one if you can, because you're talking about real, guttural, visceral reactions to a site they can't quite believe they're seeing. That is one of the greats. That's, uh, that's a last-minute winner pop, that one. That <laughs> and, I and her getting eliminated from the Royal Rumble. I remember that as well. Yeah. 
I like any time that like the relief that washes over you and Nijax isn't going to win a match that you worried she might. It just all floods out. Uh, well, let us know uh, your biggest wrestling pops ever uh, on Twitter and uh, your your thoughts on everything we've discussed today. At What Culture WWE, as always, we'll do these Q and A's again. They're so much fun. Uh, you can follow both of us on Twitter whilst you're there. You can follow Michael Hamlet at. Don't follow me. Um... I don't need followers. My content's not good enough. Instead, do something good with your Twitter. Block Matt Reigns. Um, <laughs> if you must. If you must, it's at my comfort. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. But this has been your questions answered. My thanks to everyone who submitted questions on Twitter. Thank to you to Michael Hamlet for joining me. Thanks for listening. And we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.